Guys, I'm so glad that you're joining us again for our One Another series. As a matter of fact, we are wrapping up our One Another series today together. So thank you so much for being a part of our online family. And just to let you know, that's how we view you. We see you as part of our church family, whether you attend here in person or you're watching around the world. We're glad you're in the community with us. And let me go ahead and tell you, today we're ending with something that we all need. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're dating, single, married, divorced, doesn't matter. We need this message today. And I've got a great story at the very end of our time together that I want you to hang in there because you don't want to miss this story. Um, and let me tell you what it's on today, encouraging one another. I've never met an individual who said these words. I just get encouraged way too much right? I mean, we all need encouragement. As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to do. In the chat window, encourage our online family right now. You can write whatever you want to write. Um, hey, reminder, God loves you. Just go ahead and write it. You can write, hey, reminder, the sun came up today. The clouds are always moving. God's mercies are new. I want you to encourage one another with something right now. I love what John Maxwell said. He said, encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. What a powerful statement. That is very true. When you have someone encouraging you, it just puts wind into your cells that you can take one more step, another step, and it feels good to be encouraged. And maybe you're encouraged by something you're reading right now that someone else is writing. That's the power of encouragement within a community. And that's what I wanna talk with you about today. Uh, get the setting real fast. Jesus comes. He lives 30, 33 years. He gets his own small group together. He teaches them how to do life with one another. Uh, they're sleeping under stars together. He's sharing stories with them. They're laughing together. Um, he's teaching truth to them. They do life together because Jesus understands we really are better together. That's one of our, our values at this place. We are better together. And this was actually started and demonstrated by Jesus himself. Jesus goes to the cross, comes back to life, and again finds his disciples in a community and encourages them to stay in community. Encourage one another, stay in community. Share the gospel, bring them into the community. Not long after that, Rome, who was in charge, continues to take more charge and persecution breaks out. When persecution broke out, they valued this value of one another even more so. They understood that life itself was really dependent on how we take care of one another, how we protect one another, how we literally feed one another when you're down and out on the grocery bill. Uh, how do we help one another? And this important part of encouraging one another, specifically when it comes to their spiritual journey and the moral decisions that they would make in life. So the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Jewish believers who had been Jesus followers. And here's what he's telling them. Don't forget to encourage one another. And the reasons why we should encourage one another is so powerful that we actually learn today in, in Hebrews chapter 3. And in Hebrews chapter 3, here's how he starts it off in verse 12. See to it. 
Three simple words. See to it. Those three words literally mean watch out. Um, be careful. Stay alert. So see to it. He puts this caution at the very beginning of, hey, this could happen to you. Don't let it happen to you. And here's how you can prevent it from happening to you. What, what, what should we watch out for? This is what he says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Let me ask you a question. Who in their right mind would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and turn their heart away from Jesus in moments of temptation? You ever thought about that? Who, who is crazy enough to have God, their heavenly Father, love them, give grace and mercy to them, rescue them from their past sin, give them a new life, eternal life, and have moments to where they choose not to give their heart to him and they choose to fall and lean toward sin. Who in their right mind would ever do such a thing? I would. Anybody else want to join me in the chat window of just being honest, by the way? Just put up a little, a little hand if you would, too. Let me ask it a different way. If you have before, yeah, you want to join me, right? Because we read that and we go, well, who, whose heart would turn away from this awesome, living, amazing God? The answer, we all do. We're all capable of it because this is true. We drift. We drift. We just drift. Uh, we, we, we take our foot off the gas pedal of our spiritual passion for Jesus and with Jesus. And when we do, the cards can just kind of drift off the road a little bit. Sometimes it drifts so far. It's not all of a sudden. Sometimes it just drifts so far we find ourselves in another neighborhood thinking, how did I end up here? What happened? The writer of Hebrews would say, I know, I know. This is a reality that we all drift. And this is also a truthful statement that if it's good for us, we drift from it. Being healthy is good for us. We should always eat healthy. But that's hard. Mm, so give me some Nutella, right? I mean, we, we drift from what's good for us. Uh, this is true for our health. It's true in how we eat our diet. It's true for exercise. It's good for us. Oh, but getting up one more morning to go, I think I will stay. If it's good for us, we drift from it. And the answer is we all have the propensity to do this. Maybe that's why if you're a businessman and you travel and you wonder why in the world would I do this when I'm away from my family on business trips? Or maybe for you, if you're a teenager watching and you're like, why would I do this when I know my mom and dad are in the other room? Why would I do this even though no one else knows? Why in the world would I do this? God has been so good to me. He's blessed me so much. Why would I make this decision again? The answer and the writer of Hebrews is saying, 
because you have the potential to have an unbelieving heart that slowly turns away from the living God. Now, the great thing about what we're reading today, he also is going to give us the solution. And the solution is personal, but it's not private. The solution is very personal for you, but the solution is actually found in groups. It's in relationships. The solution is found in community. See, he goes on, and here's what he says. If we keep reading in, in verse 12, we could change the wording this way. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of y'all, because the you is plural. So here's literally what he's saying is that none of y'all has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Here's what he's saying. Y'all need to see about one another. Y'all need to watch out for one another. In other words, hey, Kenny, this isn't a just Kenny thing. This is a y'all thing. Y'all look out for one another. Because here's what the writer of Hebrews knows about me and he knows about you. The drift begins within. The drift always begins within. The drift never begins outside of us. The drift begins inside of us. Maybe it's a a thought that we have and the thought goes a little too far leading to something that we do on the outside of us. Maybe it begins with a feeling that we have and the feeling leads to a thought that leads to an action. The drift always begins within. So this is his solution to stopping the drift early in our life. The solution, verse 13, encourage one another. There's our one another right there. Encourage one another. By the way, this is mandatory. It's not a suggestion. Encourage one another. The word encourage in Greek, in all of ancient literature, this word that is used is not a compliment. That's not the word that's used here. You know, hey, girl, you look good today. Dude, you losing weight? Come on, man. I mean, th that, those are great compliments. We all want that encouragement. But the word encourage one another is not a compliment. If you look at it, here's what it says. But encourage one another. That word could mean beg or urge strongly. And you're doing this together. In other words, you should have people in your life who can detect when a drift begins. You should have someone in your life when they notice, hey man, hey, I just, hey, just, are you okay? Man, I don't know, man. It's that anger thing that, you know, I, I know your story. I know your history. I, I know this could be a leaning in times of stress. And I'm just checking on you. I'm just making sure. Are you okay? I don't want you to go down that road again. Let's stop the drift within. Now, I want you to think about this. For some of you, this would have radically changed your upbringing. If your father would have had someone's, one another's in his life saying, hey man, I, I know this is a weakness for you and I don't want you to go down this road anymore. Let, let, hey, come on, I want to encourage you. Let's go somewhere. Let's get away from this. Your childhood in that moment would have radically changed, wouldn't it? For some of you with your mom, with whatever little addiction, whatever little habit, whatever little drift began in her heart and in her ways of life would have looked would have looked totally different for her 
and your family and your relationship with her, if she would have had some ladies rally around her, encourage her to say, come on, come on, come on, come on. We don't want to go down this road. We love you way too much. You're too valuable. Your family is too precious to keep going down this road. Please, please don't go down this road. We're not going to let you. Can you imagine how your life would be different if someone would have done that for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister? Maybe you can imagine if someone would have done that for you. And that's what I love about today's message because today's message is for all of us. And I love how he keeps going. And here's what he says in verse 13. He continues. He says, encourage one another daily as long as it is called. And I love the quotation in the scripture today with a capital T. I love that. He goes, encourage one another daily. Uh, it, it literally means day after day after day after day after day. It's a continuing uh, process. It's not a one-time event. It's not a once-a-year thing. I check in with some people. Oh, how often do you do that? Oh, you know, about every six months. Here we go. Okay, back, back the train up a little bit. This is a daily. And the word today, capitalized, it means in our culture, wherever you are, this applies to you. It applied to them in the first century, second century, third century, fourth century, all the way to 2021. This is our day. And here's what he says. He keeps going. And here's what he says. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Why? Why should we do that? The next two words are purpose. So that when you see that in the Bible, it means purpose. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, this is fascinating. In the New Testament, when a writer would write the word sin, it could be a verb. But the majority of time, the word in Greek was actually a noun. Don't miss this. In this passage, in this verse, the word sin is not something you do. It's a noun. It's this thing. It's, you can use monster. It's this entity. It's this something that knows when to strike. And when you're tired, when you're lonely, when you're hungry, when you're emotionally spent, this thing slowly moves in to deceive you, to drag you away. And here's what he's saying. In those moments, can you call somebody? Do you have somebody that you can go, hey man, I'm just telling you, sin is creeping in on my life. I feel it, I know it, and I want him, I want it, I want this thing off of me right now. Been down this road before, don't wanna go down it anymore, and I'm calling for you to encourage me today, right now. That's the picture. That's the, and if you have someone who can see it, hey, listen, man, I can, I can see you going down this road, don't want you to do it. We, is the answer for sin around me. The we is the answer to the sin that is around me. We need one another in our life. We just do. You need this. I need this. The writers of the New Testament needed this. And, and let's just be real honest. Let's just be real honest. There are some times we think to ourselves, if we actually tell that person or we tell that group, even though they're my friends, they're going to think I'm crazy. Like they're not going to understand it. They're not going to listen. 
they might think you're crazy, but they can keep you from crazy. So which one do you want? Which one's most important? They might look at you and go, yeah, you're crazy. Don't do that. They just saved you from crazy. I'll take that trade. I'll take that trade. Um, I love what the writer goes on to say. If you have your Bible still open, look at verse 14. Here's what he says. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. In other words, he's saying this. Remember the day you got saved? It was so simple, wasn't it? It was you understood you needed Jesus. You needed life change from within, not without. You wanted him to change you from within. So you cried out to him, Jesus, I need you. And my answer to you is yes. You know how you live the Christian life? You keep saying yes to him every day. The, 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 the solution to Christian life is not in saying no to sin. It's just saying yes to Jesus. When we say yes to Jesus, by default, we're saying no to sin. When you say no to something, you got to say yes to someone. And the answer is Jesus. And in verse uh, 25 of chapter 10, I love this. So here's what he says. So we should not stop gathering together one another. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, we must continue, here it comes, to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. Not just that we need encouragement. We need to encourage each other more and more and more. I want to tell you when I first really experienced what we're talking about. This was over 20 years ago. I was serving at a church in Bossier City, Louisiana. And I started hearing about this thing called small groups. And I'd never been a part of a small group in my life. I grew up in church my whole life. I've been part of Sunday school, had some great friends, had great mentors, indebted to all of those things. But the small group idea I kept hearing about and reading in a book, and I'm like, I don't know what this is really. I went home and told my wife about it, and she was like, well, what exactly does a small group do? And I went, I don't know other than you eat food at each other's houses. She was like, I'm in. So I'm like, I am too. Let's do that. So essentially, we wanted to start a small group in our house. We had three couples we wanted to invite we knew. And then we just said, hey, listen, if word gets out or y'all know of anybody, just invite them as well. The first night, we had about nine to ten people that came over to our house. Um, Valerie cooked. She cooked spaghetti. She didn't know how much food to cook. We had enough spaghetti for the neighborhood. There was spaghetti everywhere in our kitchen. But it was the very first small group experience that we ever had. And it changed our life forever. As a group, we experienced things, went through things. I had never gone through these kind of things before with individuals. Some were, were the birth of, of their very first child. And we were able to be there, you know, and talking about encouraging. We were able to encourage them and be at the hospital with them and provide meals for them. And it was amazing. Uh, we had these unbelievable high moments with one another of people giving their life to Christ for the very first time. The other people who came over, we didn't even know. And when you talk about different, they were very different than we were. 
And it was awkward to be real honest. Again, it was an environment we'd never experienced. One guy who was invited didn't even know how he got invited. He came over and he had prison tattoos all over him. On his knuckles, he had F-U on his knuckles. And, and it didn't say forgive you, okay? Um, and I'm going, okay, this is different. Come on in, dude, let's have some spaghetti. And this was the environment that was set. There was one couple in particular. We are all still very close to all of these couples. But there was one couple in particular. I can't explain it, but our hearts for this couple and this couple's hearts for us, it was almost immediate. Again, can't explain it. It was a God thing. Um, Daryl and Shelly Graham, their name. Precious couple to us, dear friends to us. As a matter of fact, I just talked on the phone with him yesterday because I wanted his permission to tell his story. He said, if it helps anybody, you share, their, you share my story. This is a picture of Daryl and Shelly. It's a picture of their kids that you see, beautiful kids. Daryl didn't know Jesus, and we didn't know that Daryl actually had a drug problem. I mean, you don't walk into a small group of people you don't know going, hey, my name is Daryl, and I got a drug issue, right? You keep that stuff kind of hidden like we all do. And little by little, the gospel was getting into Daryl's life, though, and his wife Shelly's life. And it was so fun to watch. Something happened one night. We'd been together for several, several, several weeks. And something happened one night where Shelly came over by herself, and she was in tears. She came in. The group invited her in. We sat down together, and she was just weeping. And she said, there's something you don't know about Daryl that you need to know. And she told us. Daryl has a drug issue. And then she proceeded to say, and Kenny, he's coming over here because he wants to fight you. Um, my first thought was, now what did seminary teach me about a 6'4 black man who's on drugs wanting to beat me up, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like this, what have I done? What in the world? So Daryl comes over a few minutes later, banging on my front door. I'm going, oh my gosh. Shelly and the group saying, don't go out there, Kenny. I'm like, there's a big black man banging on my front door on drugs wanting in the house. What do you mean I don't go out there? He comes in or I go out, what's happening? As I'm going out, y'all pray. So I went out in the front yard, and sure enough, Daryl was so mad at me that he wanted to fight me. And I remember saying, Daryl, I love you, man. You can, you can fight me. I don't know why, but I just want you to know I love you. I just love you. And in that moment, it wasn't the real Daryl. Come on, we, come on. We all know, we all know that when that sin takes over, we're not the real us either. And I knew this isn't Daryl. This isn't Daryl. This isn't the Daryl I know who's been in my home for months that I've come to love as a dear brother. And he's done the same for me. This is not the real Daryl. This is a sin thing that's just taken over him. And for the next several months, as a matter of fact, for the next two years, this group walked with Daryl and Shelley through some low, low valleys. As a matter of fact, there would be moments where Daryl would call me in the middle of the night saying, hey, I'm headed down to such and such neighborhood, and if you can stop me, I need you to stop me. I go, hey, Daryl, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So many times he would turn his car around and go home. Sometimes he wouldn't. 
And we were so committed to one another, though. And we fell in love with each other. And I'm just telling you, this dude's life now is radically different. His family, so involved in church. He is completely set free from drugs. Completely. I mean, the radical change in his marriage. Shelly just looks at our group. She'll text our group going, again, so thankful y'all were there for us. The writer of Hebrews is saying, we all drift. There are no exceptions. We all have the propensity to drift to places we later regret with guilt and shame and destruction and pain for those we love the most in our life. But I'm telling you, I've seen it in my life with men who have said, Kenny, hang on just a minute. Kenny, how are you doing in that area? Kenny, tell me what's really going on in your heart and your mind and your spirit. I have those people. My wife has those people. We all need this because we is what defeats the sin in me. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, so encourage one another so that you can have a better story than the one you can write on your own. When we hand the pen to God to say, would you please write my story? Like Daryl, like Shelly, like so many of you who are watching, God takes the pen to write our story, but you just need to know He always includes other people in it. It's never a story that's just about you. So, how are you doing in encouraging each other? Do you have anyone who's encouraging you? I encourage you, get involved. As a matter of fact, You'll see on our website how you can actually start your own small group. No matter where you are in the world, we call it small group in a box. We will put one in your hands so you can start a one another group of encouraging each other. I hope that you take that step. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for what you have done through us and in us during this one another series. God, my prayer for our online church families that we have learned to love one another, bear with one another. God, to pray for one another, support one another, and today encourage one another. And God, if there's someone listening or watching they do not know you, God, I pray, just like Daryl, Shelley, they would today, today, invite you into their life, give their heart to you, to turn the car around from the direction they're headed, and to come straight home to you. And if that's you, just tell him. Just say, God, I need you in my life. Just say, I want to come home to you. And the best way I know how, I give my life to you. I surrender to you and invite you into my life to change me. Thank you. Thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for saving me today. God, you have spoken your truth over our life through the writer of Hebrews that we would be encouraged to encourage one another. And I pray we would do that well. In your name I pray, amen.